Hi everyone, welcome to Spooky Season. It's Halloween and we've decided to look at the pinnacle of gay Christmas, which is Beetlejuice. James, what do you remember about this film? So, I do have a confession to make. Up until two days ago, I had not Mm. actually seen Beetlejuice. (laughs) Never, 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 never seen it. I mean, obviously Uh, I'd I'd heard of it. I was a big Tim Burton fan. So Nightmare Before Christmas, I think, was the first Tim Burton film I saw. And then there was that awful Planet of the Apes remake and Mm. Corpse Bride, which I really liked as a teenager. So I'd heard Mm. of this film, but I'd never, ever seen it. It was an interesting ride, let's put it that way. Um, (laughs) But how about you? So what are your remembrances of Beetlejuice? I have a very vague memory of the film, actually. I know I watched it a long time ago, but it was a kind of film that was so positively unhinged that my brain probably <laughs> thought it was a fever dream because I could not make heads or tails of the actual plot at the time, obviously being a kid. The only thing I remember was that weird scene. Every time, you know, like they step out of the house and they're in this weird no man mm-hmm. zone with the sandworms, which is a weird not to do or something. Yes, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, like no real recollection besides those freaky scenes every time they fell out of the house like i don't blame myself for not remembering this film because coming back to it right now i I just thought there is no way on god's green earth my childhood brain would have been able to like have a cohesive memory of this yes yeah 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 So, as someone who just watched the film for the first time, what did you make of it? Because it's really interesting to <laughs> to hear what someone else thinks of this film. It's funny you should mention like childhood or teenagehood because I just don't think I probably would have appreciated a lot of the humor and the conceit of the film, which is the idea that the ghosts that are haunting the house are more scared of the family that have turned up rather than the other Mm. way around. Because if you've watched uh, Poltergeist or The Shining, um, that's always the setup. It's like the family come into the house, the house is haunted, they're terrorised, and eventually they usually have to leave the house or, you know, something that is disturbed within the building. And so I quite liked the subversion of... Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis being a fairly bland couple that are kind of cutesy, quirky. They have this weird sort of map. They're designing that thing together, aren't they? And they've got this quite odd house. And I just really like the idea that obviously them being killed off in the first 10 minutes of the film and the rest of it being about this other grotesque family that come in. Catherine O'Hara and I think it's Jeffrey Jims or something like that. Mm. I only ever remember that guy as the uncle in Stuart Little. Uh, They're just horrible. And the fact that then the plot becomes they're trying to get them out of the house, but they really can't. And then the family themselves, rather than the sequence when they are possessed being terrified of mm. this they actually see it as an opportunity to make money <laughs> yeah so, so everything <laughs> surreal and the design of it the lurid lighting like you said the weird sequence mm. with the sock puppet thing in june there's kind of john carpenter-esque yeah. special effects with the you know like when beetlejuice becomes the snake on the staircase and then when they're pulling their yeah, faces and yeah. stuff and then you've got the afterlife itself which is very strange sort of office setup, mm. quite bureaucratic. So I actually felt that going to the cinema and seeing this must have been quite fresh. 
because it is very very yeah, twisted yeah. and quirky but and that's not even getting into Beetlejuice himself but I'll leave that for a moment because <laughs> <laughs> that, that's something yeah. else that we'll, we'll probably get yeah. into so yeah that was my initial impression of it yeah I mean I still picked up on the same theme around subversion you know of the standard ghost story which is normally told from the perspective of the human beings coming into the house and discovering that there's a ghost in it and maybe trying to survive a poltergeist or a haunting or something while this is actually looking at the haunting itself from Mm. the perspective of the ghost and the struggle with haunting seems to be hard. I mean, especially with the, especially with the kind of people who were living in the house who didn't really seem to give a shit one way or the other. So it just seemed like they were actually doing their best and that just wasn't enough. Yes. Um, But then there's also this, like you said, the bureaucratic backdrop of what it means to be dead and, having to go through paperwork for your caseworker and stuff like that. The thing about the film that I found really interesting were all those little quirky asides, which you kind of like construct into a Mm. general plot line, but it doesn't really go into anything. It's just like, look at this zany world as it exists without any real conversation as to, okay, what the hell is going on? What happened to the ghost? What happens after they get into the office? Are they assigned places to haunt? Do they go off to the afterlife? Like, what's that processing plants supposed to be for ghosts it doesn't really get into that what's that liminal space between wherever you haunt and getting into the office where the sandworms mm, exist mm, 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 mm. like usually i'm kind of intrigued by the backdrop of a plot line but this one just managed to get on with the story without getting too much into that the stuff i found really funny again was like you mentioned the fact that they were willing to commercialize the haunting <laughs> You know, the fact that they were trying to commercialize this haunting was just really, really funny to me. And um, I guess it's kind of like late stage capitalism. (laughs) Well, yeah, probably very much of its time. Yeah, Reagan and um, uh, like Reaganomics and obviously what we have here in the UK, Thatcherism and so on. Neoliberalism basically comes at this particular point. Interesting that Burton brought that into this film as well. But but quite in a very, very funny way, I think. In a really funny way. It just seemed... It was just part of the unhinged landscape, Mm. and I found it really funny. Uh, But then you said you wanted to talk about the character of Beetlejuice himself, so what were your thoughts on that? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) So what I found quite unusual is, obviously, you you type in Beetlejuice, um, and you see the artwork, the posters, you know about this character, and yet it's not necessarily really about him. Mm. He's sort of peppered in throughout the film there's just something so off about him now i mean it's just so inappropriate mm. and i think probably yeah. at the time it was as well <laughs> because he's just like yeah. incredibly misogynist he's just absolutely disgusting to sort of look at it's very clear to me that michael keaton who of course we saw when we did the batman retrospectives yep an outlandish but just brilliant performance as this yeah. absolute grotesque CD car salesman. Uh, there's a little bit of <laughs> a film was like, even though, of course, this would have come before, it kind of reminded me of like Jack Nicholson's Joker. It's a horrific creation, really. <laughs> and I like the idea that the film played around with him being 
devil angel character. He he does help them out, but then in the end, it's a terrible pact with the devil, almost. Yeah. I did think the ending with him was a little bit weak, so I did think, oh, someone was going to do this because they set up saying Beetlejuice three times would bring him yeah. to an end and i did think they were going to find a way around that but actually in the in the end gina davis just rides in on one of those dune uh, <laughs> sandworm things and just consumes him there is a nastier side to it there's that whole thing isn't there with mm. his it's like a stool or some kind of carriage or something which has like girls 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 some yeah brothel or something it's the only mm. unsettling thing i think that about this film yeah because everything else is played for laughs did you have particular thoughts about Beetlejuice himself. Yeah, it, the character, like you said, I mean, was just done to level 9,000. It was just <laughs> the most ridiculous, campy performance I'd ever seen. But it made sense within the context of the plot, I guess. The character was infamous for a reason. You kind of get to see why everyone is like, hush, don't even say his name, you know? Mm. And that scene with the brothel in the middle like you said that was the one scene that seemed very seedy and it just mm. seemed very lecherous and in a very disgusting icky i felt kind of squirmy at yes, that scene because yes. it just gets slapped smack in the middle of the film despite all the other things that he does that are like creepy like trying to look up her skirt and like sexually um, assaulting her at like the first instant but the character himself his placement in the film is really interesting because he is both the protagonist because the film is literally named after him and the antagonist at the same time but also he's not really who the film is about because it's about this couple so it's i don't really know what to make of the character to be honest because he's just (laughs) weird as fuck (laughs) but i guess that's like the entire spirit of this film it's just weird as fuck like when you talk about what happens to him at the end it just seems like okay now he goes in for processing like is that his punishment like what really is happening you know, there are so many things about the film that are just done and you don't really get any explanation. I don't think you're supposed to have any explanation. You just go with it, really, because making sense of the plot, it was truly one of the most unhinged things I'd watch with a couple of genuinely solid laugh-out-loud moments. I mean, the first time everyone on the table kind of got possessed and they were dancing around like... Yeah, dancing. yeah, yeah. I yeah. found myself like <laughs> scream laughing at that. That was so funny. <laughs> but again, it's the thing that follows afterwards, which is they're like, you know what? That was quite an experience. You know what? Um, we, we could sell that. <laughs> like, what, what the shit? The thing that stood out to me was when Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin are sitting with the caseworker and they're mm. pulling their faces into those like horrible contortions but the whole yeah. thing is just a laugh. I mean, though, even though the most, yeah. some of the most disgusting things, like I say, it's thing esque that mm. you see, you're laughing at it because it's they're, they're desperately trying to get these people <laughs> removed from the house. Um, again, it's not the ghosts that have turned the house into this demonic sort of place and again a la um the shining where you have you know yeah. blood pouring out the elevator it's their horrible interior designer who changes this place <laughs> into this basically mausoleum and you're just looking at it yeah. thinking oh my god it's it's just very yeah. clever there's little details like that that actually the humans are worse than the ghosts <laughs> yeah of which, you know, by the time the caseworker was just like, don't trust the living. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, very, yeah. <laughs> it's a very, very, very interesting sort of reversal. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of 
clever how they do that because you end up rooting for the other side despite yes. the fact that you the viewer is technically from this side you know it's it's mm. kind of interesting how they do that i was gonna say i think that passes into a trend in burton's later original works because if you mm. think about edward scissorhands there's that element as well where the, the thing that's dressed yeah. up to be quite frightening is actually the most compassionate thing in the movie it's that horrible yeah. cookie cutter neighborhood that is actually where yeah. all the kind of terrifying stuff plays out if you like if there is terror yeah. in that film or banality in that film and then yeah. later on he would pursue the same themes in corpse bride Mm. where when they go over to the land of the dead it's a far more exciting jazz infused everyone's having fun yes there's grotesques there's there's eyeballs falling out and worms that are eating away at people but they're the friends of the characters and yet in the real world it's austere victorian people are very selfish and self-interested and kill people yeah it's very interesting watching this film to see how much that laid the template perhaps for things that he was going to pursue in later films and not yeah. just simply the, the relationship between the living and the dead or the macabre mm. and the aesthetically banal. Yeah, yeah. How much that was in this film. Yeah. When I sat down to watch it, I was thinking, I don't really know what this is like. I, I, I didn't really know that much about the film except that Michael Keaton looked like he'd you know, basically falling into the same vat as Jack Nicholson's Joker or, <laughs> yeah. or um, yeah. really did not know what it was going to be like. And so to watch it mm. for the first time, I had a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, I kind of understand why people talk about this film because mm. It's, mm. it just sits in a space that is really difficult to explain. But at the same time, it's still kind of just delightful to watch and the characters and the performances are actually very interesting considering what the plot is supposed to be about or what the you know the main themes of the film are supposed to be and delightful to watch that's really all i can say at the end of the day um i don't really have any notes because how do you critique a film like this like it's just meant to be mad (laughs) and it was mad so i'm just going to leave it at that (laughs) yeah i as I say, I think we we covered most of the things, which is just about the film's very conscious subversions of... Your typical horror tropes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And even to the point of the exorcism, which at the end of the film that takes place is suddenly this moment of horror where you're like, no, no, mm. we can't let the Maitlands die. Or like, as in, die again. Yeah. And even the guy says that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they can't they can't be hurt they can't die again they're already dead <laughs> and i just yeah. thought it, it's you stumble into these moments where you're going hang on a minute this in another film this would be a moment of great relief for the main characters and it's actually mm. no it's the opposite like when she gets to it yeah. she's hovering in the air at the end winona Ryder is hovering at the end she's having the time of her life dancing along and being yeah. possessed it's just like what the fuck <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah yeah Wonderful. Yeah, I would say that would be like the most dominant thing I would take out of this film. And again, like I said, it does set up a lot of things around Tim Burton's later works because mm-hmm. he does delve a lot into subversiveness and that sort of thing in his films. But yeah. Well, the, the last thing I'll say is it's before he got boring. I mean, I think I think mid-2000s to... Uh, I haven't seen Frank and Weenie, which I think is the only original mm. thing he's done. I didn't yeah. like Alice in Wonderland. Um, mm. I was not a great fan of his Charlie and the Chocolate Factory either. So, right. I, and I don't really know what has happened to him. 
Oh, he did Sweeney Todd as well, which again, that was mm. it was fine, I guess. But mm. I don't know what's happened. He's kind of gone off the radar a bit, hasn't he, Burton? Yeah. I can't. I really can't think yeah, of well. the last thing that he did. Oh well. Yeah, but at least he left us with this gem. So yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> he he can die happy. <laughs> exactly, he can die happy. Like we got the best out of him. <laughs> <laughs> the, the last thing I'd say is that yeah, once again, guys, we we have subverted expectations by not mm. doing yeah, a really spooky film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I said, like our spooky season was just a lie. It's just <laughs> it's it's it's, mild. it's mildly kooky at best, but it's definitely very camp. So yes, um, yes, yeah. <laughs> So that's it. Um, tune in next time when we'll be this, when we'll be talking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Bye bye. <laughs>